Tom, how are you doing, buddy? I've changed my name to Tokyo Sexuale, <laughs> okay, or Sex so Whale. For the remainder of the episode, I shall refer Did to Did you see that. that Namibia elected an Adolf Hitler? Yeah, a that's black a Adolf Hitler. Really fucking weird thing to have happened. Like, why? <laughs> okay. Apparently, he wasn't a, a, a Namibian problem, or mm. Hitler. No. Well, how he's got into politics, I don't know, but it's, uh, yeah, that may come back to bite them in the ass. Uh so how are you doing anyway, man? You had a good week? Uh, um, it's it only fucking Monday. Yeah, this comes out on Thursday, doesn't it? So, you know. Oh, yeah. Okay. Been great. <laughs> <laughs> Especially like Tuesday and Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Real good. <laughs> oh, come on, man. Get with it. Uh, oh, I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm busy, man. I'm busy, but I'm with it. Well, yeah, you've, you've we had a... About? Well, today we've got a lot on, but before we talk about that, let's talk about the beer, because uh, always important for this show. I've got a, um, I've got a brew dog this evening, not a, not a doom bar. I've gone for an Elvis juice. So Ugh, that fucking pineapple shit. So they're great for you, actually. But yeah, I have from Ringwood Brewery. <laughs> okay, which we laugh because Ring, like you know, you're sphincter. Yeah, because we're childish. I have a boondoggle. A boon what? A boondoggle. <laughs> oh God, a boondoggle. That is fucking hell. That's weird. Okay, nice. It's a deliciously fruity craft blonde ale. Four point two percent. We take two things seriously here at Ringwood: our ales and our leisure time, and our bungholes. Along with creating quality craft ales, we are relaxation enthusiasts. Oh, our motto is visit the winding downs. Can you a place to enjoy some quality time with friends? Our blonde boondoggle is deliciously fruity ale, affectionately crafted to savor and satisfy. Best enjoyed with the spicy burrito. Right, one thing there. How do you enthusiastically re uh, relax? <laughs> I could. Yeah. That's okay. just me, isn't it? That's true. You, I can you enthusiastically would, yeah. fucking do anything. Yeah. Sleep enthusiastically. Right, we're back on track anyway with our beers, <laughs> which is good. And uh, we're back with that 8-Bit Shit Show. And this week, Tom, I said last week in our Unplugged episode for this show that this could be our most divisive episode ever in terms of me and you possibly disagreeing. Uh, I don't think we'll disagree. I don't think we will anymore because I've no, played I think we the... both accept this game is a bag of shit. Oh, no, we won't do that. We're looking at Alex Kidd in uh, Miracle World for the Master System. So, man, this, let me tell you about why I love this game so much. Now, this is the game, right? This started it all for me. This is the game that introduced me. Yeah, it's a nostalgia trip for you. Yeah, I mean, this is the first game I ever played, ever. Um, my mum bought me a... Uh, a uh, Master System 2 when I was like five or something. Was that the one with a little like rotary like flap cover? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It had uh, Alex Kid built into it. And um, as I say, it's just my earliest ever gaming memory. And do, 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 do. Exactly. Oh, I hate it. Creepy ass <laughs> tune, isn't it? Um, but okay. That's what we're talking about. And. Um, I know this isn't a game you 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 know you hold that fond of memories of, or even you know like today. But I think it's important. I think it's an important. I game. think the difference between me and you is I did not play this game as a child. Yeah. So I didn't get my own games console till I got a Mega Drive. Prior to that, I was playing NES. Aha. Uh -huh. NES. NES. 
uh, my uh, my cousin Gemma's house because they were much richer than we were. And she had all that good shit. Yeah, I never owned a Nintendo. Um, so uh, the the time that I started playing Alex Kid, I, I remember I, I had a mate at primary school. And before I got the Mega Drive and I was playing NES at my cousin's, I was like, oh, I like this video gaming. And he was <laughs> like, I've got one of them Yara video games. And I went around to his house and he turned on his Alex Kid and I was like, Right. <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> is <laughs> Right. Paper man. <laughs> it's great. Alex Kidd's brilliant. And right, so this this came out for the mass system, developed and published by Sega in 1986 in Japan, and then a year later internationally. Um and it was a and what we did tu- what we did touch on, this was unofficially Sega's mascot before Sonic. Yeah, exactly. They wanted to obviously rival Nintendo with, with who had Mario and come up with uh, an icon, a mascot for their own systems. Um, and it came out on them both Master System 1 and Master System 2. Um, now, it came out, now, we touched on this when we looked at Metroid, but it um, it came out in the same year as Metroid, Super Mario Brothers, um, The Lost Levels, um, Bubble Bobble, Kid Icarus, and Castlevania. So Yeah, um, 86 was wild for Nintendo. Yeah, it's stiff competition for for. Uh, Sega trying to compete as Zelda, well. Zelda, Outrun, and Dragon Quest as well. Yeah, so big, big year for, for Nintendo, and one way in which Sega were, we're always going to struggle to to keep up with, really. Well, this was, this was way before the Kalinske era of Sega, which we talked about right at the start of this season. Been a Sega heavy series for significant developments in, in um, Sega, but this was way before Sega's rise. Way, they're big in arcade, but from the arcade into the home console market, they didn't really take off not in the not in the west in you know much bigger in the uk and europe than in america but when we refer to popularity of games consoles and the console wars specifically between nintendo and sega we often refer to the us and the states yeah yeah well that's where it all started getting really big for them isn't it so um i'm gonna flip things around a little bit on this this episode i noticed you'd gone you'd gone tits up half yeah um I just think that I want to introduce what the story's about, what the gameplay is first, and then what we're going to do is look at the background of it. So I just flip things around a bit, mix it up. So, what the fuck not, eh, kid? Yeah, exactly. Hey, kid. Hey. Hey, kid. Hey. Maybe that's, you reckon that's what, like, originally he was supposed to just be a kid? <laughs> like, Possibly. They were like, oh, who's the hero going to be? It's going to be a kid. And then they're like, oh, yeah. And then they called him a kid. And then eventually they're like, oh, Alex, kid? Maybe. It's survival. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the story goes that I'll ask Mark- the guy who invented it after I finished punching him in the face. <laughs> Why did you call it Alex? <laughs> Why is his ear so big? <laughs> oh. So the story of Alex Kidd. So a young martial artist named Alex Kidd learns of a villain named Yankin the Great or Jankin the Great. Who has defeated King Thunder? Cousin of Jerkin the Gherkin. <laughs> Wankin the Crankin. Well, what a fucking lame villain name. All the what names a fucking name, lame hero name. Alex <laughs> Kid. Why? Because he's a kid. <laughs> well, Jankin the Great defeated Alex Kid's father, whose name was King Thunder. <laughs> His name so, was what? King, King Thunder. Thunder. I haven't fucking read this. Raiden. So they're in, uh, he was the king of the city of Redaxian, and uh, Jankin the Great um, his kid. Hang on, what the fuck is this? They kidnapped his son, Prince Eggle, or Eagle. 
and Eagles, Eagles fiance Princess Laura. So I'm out of uh, it. <laughs> Tom's quit. Come back when you're talking about a better game. So that's the that's the backstory. But um, Alex Kidd, discovering that he's a lost son of King Thunder, he sets out to rescue the kingdom. On his quest, he looks to defeat Jenkins' henchmen and uh, retrieve various items which are leading. And we're going to talk about the henchmen because these are some of the most disturbing characters in gaming history. (laughs) They really are. They really are. We'll get onto that in a little bit. Um, But he's got to defeat them, find a load of items which can help him get to the end and look to defeat the great villain, Jenkins the Great. Uh, And you put put here that, that Alex retrieves the crane. He does, yeah. And fuck me if that's just what happens at the end. It really is just what happens at the end. I completed it yesterday. And hey, that was a real fucking uh, childhood sort of ambition. Realized? No, no, no. You see, this is the thing, isn't it? As a kid, I was like a bit of um, I don't know. Like, I didn't beat a lot of games. I beat Sonic One and Two, but they're not really that difficult. That's because a lot of games back then were so fucking hard to win, hard to beat. Yeah, and you couldn't save. And I mean, I just don't think I was as like I'm one of the few people. I think I'm better at gaming now than I was. Yeah, I think I might be as well. Um, but it does help having you know being able to save these games now. Yeah, so we're playing these with save states and bits and pieces. I'd never have completed. Of course, it this game's been remade. Ad. Yeah, so is that out yet? Yeah, yeah, so I think it's out. Alex is the X. Yeah, I wasn't really that interested in that. I mean, I don't really know how they can. Yeah, it looks shit. <laughs> well, it's, it's a bit like um, Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening on Switch. It's a visual overhaul, mm-hmm. but with the original gameplay. Just a side. It's it's not really relevant to this show, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I, was, I was surprised that it got remade because this game has a big following for something that's frankly so bad. And it's like we were joking aside. We're going to get on to what I think this game is hugely overrated. Okay. Well, and to me, the fact that it got a remake in that way is just like shocking because we'll, we'll talk about what you, what you. I'm interested to hear your actual thoughts now. You've been from beat of the game again. Okay. Well, do you want to go through the gameplay and design now, or do you want to talk about? Yeah, let's do it. Let's just do it in the order you've got it here. Okay. So it's a 2D platformer, as, as most people will know. Um, and your goal is to finish levels and overcome many obstacles and puzzles, both scrolling and single screen environments. Uh, throughout the 17 stages yeah fucking hey far too 17 many. stages it's far too many um you're you'll end yeah, up facing it could, it could do like eight 12 yeah maximum. yeah may, maybe um i did well i was a bit surprised when i played through it this week uh were you bored by the end yeah i was a little bit and this is where i said we might not fall out because actually i've realized some of its uh failings during my playthrough um which we'll go on to in a be sec. good <laughs> it doesn't fail to be good it just fails to go anywhere um so you've got 17 stages you'll face a variety of monsters and the three henchmen of jank and the great you'll, you'll face off with them uh twice each there's three of them um, yeah why why twice i don't know um and before facing jank and himself at the end um who you so just you have got... to jump three times and punch in the head and it's really easy yeah quite it's it's none of the like, he's hard on this uh, we'll talk about the boss battles, but fuck me. <laughs> like, well, one thing I would praise this game for is trying a million ideas. They did throw everything in there, didn't they? Well, they fucking really did. did they? Like everything. Mm. But most of it's bad. But like, 
I would say they haven't executed all of it that well. Um, so your main your main attack is your punching ability. He's got a massive like boxing gloved hand that's as big as his ear. <laughs> he does have a really big ear. Um, so he's, that's used to destroy enemies and to break rocks, which is a key mechanic in the game um, to access new paths and collect items such as money. So collecting the money is quite important as well. Um, because you can visit a shop at the end of a start. Of yeah, certain... when we were doing, when we were talking about us playing through this game, and I was having difficulties here because I wasn't able to buy the items required to complete some of the levels. And I, I've got to throw it in that the vehicle sections, it, it was a nice idea, mm. executed badly. Um, yeah, so you, you get, get motorbikes, shoot stuff. Yeah, you get motorbikes. You get like a a pedal powered helicopter, which is pretty cool. Um, which can shoot. terrible. It's like it's like underwater levels that aren't underwater. I suppose you've got to keep tapping uh, A to, to or one to keep your uh, to keep yourself one. in the air. <laughs> it was one and two on the map, numbers then, wasn't it? But it was one and two. <laughs> um, and then we come on after you've got through those uh, levels. You do come on to the Janken Pon or Rock Paper Scissors matches with Janken Senchman. This is the thing that Alex Kidd, I think, I feel is most remembered for. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Apart from. <laughs> Is, yeah, that you you have these rock. No one knew that these were called Janken things at the end, but that you have to do a rock paper scissors battle at the end mm-hmm. of each level, which means there's zero skill to beat in a boss apart from memory. Yeah, um, which well, I guess make, means that you can then progress if you were to write down in your instruction booklet, "Our oh, boss one does this first and like so. And, and it was de rigueur back then to play these games multiple times. Exactly, good word. But it's just fucking weird. Well, it's it's an odd thing to have as a as a boss fight. Um, so in the first three times you face them, um, now I didn't know this as a kid, but I didn't know that they weren't randomly ordered. I never worked that out. I mean, I was young; I was like five or six. So <laughs> you I, had the brain of an, a mere infant. <laughs> yes, and you know, it took me a while to work it out this time, to be honest. But uh, no, I I never knew that. Yeah, so. the patterns repeat, don't they? It's programmed. Yeah. So the first time you fight them, all you have to do is is win those two two rounds the second time you fight them uh they attack you after you win the round um one of them throws his head at you which is fucking weird uh one guy throws some like blue projectiles at you uh, and the other guy does both um so let's talk about their aesthetic as well whilst we're here because they are weird where are we in the dock you've totally lost me i'm here Oh yeah, there you are. Oh yeah, you're yeah. about to get onto my bits that I've added in. Okay, so yeah. let's continue. So let's let's talk about the the look of. Um, the so their heads look like the rock, paper, or scissors hand. Yeah, I, they look like ball bags. <laughs> they don't look like yeah, that at I all. I guess though. they look a little like ball bags. <laughs> but like you get like a hand, and it's like paper dude or whatever his name is, and it's like an open hand is his face. Yeah, it's horrifying. Imagine someone's face coming at you like this and grabbing you. <laughs> Hand face. I'm I'm afraid it's unacceptable to me. Well, you can see what they've done there, but yeah, it probably wasn't necessary. (laughs) You know what this game makes me think of is that there was like the dudes with all the ideas, but there was no one was put in charge of vetting an idea before it got put into the game. (laughs) That's a great idea. We're putting it in. Yeah, Yeah, there was like there was no one to just take a look at something and go, nah. Well, we are going to get onto the background to this and how it all came about, but um, yeah, yeah it, it, it is. Disaster. 
<laughs> so you've, you've made some comments here, Tom, about Alex. Yeah, I'll, let, I'll let you read through these. I've added a bit in. So you've, you've said, it's super weird. Why is his ear so big? <laughs> his head is deformed and looks like it would fall off. <laughs> Vehicles are stupid and pointless, as you can still control them as if a normal character sprite. The whole yeah, game you can, like jump backwards on the motorbike and stuff. <laughs> the whole game, <laughs> the whole game feels like it was created by a creepy uncle. <laughs> what the fuck? Am I wrong? I don't know. What do you mean? Yeah, that's the vibe it has to be, man. What some creepy uncle guy's gone? Ugh. You make these heads, hands. <laughs> you said you go on to say, "What the fuck is that little helmet thing you collect and then eat at the end of the level?" <laughs> well, okay. So there's two versions, right? So you eat, either eat like a what are those Japanese dumplings called? Um, yeah, it's like an onigiri or something. Like a yeah, I don't know. Or in the Western version, you eat a cheeseburger. Um, so... oh, and the Japanese version. And he's either crying or dribbling like fuck when he eats it. All very weird. (laughs) (laughs) Little fat head bastard. (laughs) That's my review of Alex Kidd in Miracle World. Wow. It's, I mean, it's accurate. It is. (laughs) (laughs) You you can't argue with any of that. No, no, you can't. I mean, it's all very, very much observed as is. Um, creepy uncle shit I'm telling you so <laughs> the weapons and power-ups you pick so as, as we said the main attack you can do is a glove punch there's a variety of power-ups you can collect a ring which gives you like a chevron shaped projectile that you can fire at people uh, a motorbike you can use on certain levels the helicopter that we talked about there's a walking stick that makes you fly which is weird and there's like this this weird box you can collect which makes you invincible um so there's a and variety. there's this fucking skull thing. Oh, no, there's you can spawn these ghosts that are just horrifying, and you can't beat them. You can't beat them. Yeah, you run over one of those like uh, skull boxes, and uh, and that's it. Or you punch one. And they have yeah. walking sticks to make them fly. <laughs> they do. Yeah. Um, the only way to beat them is by getting them. I think screen. they're pimp canes, not walking <laughs> sticks. Pimp ghosts. Um, there's 17 stages as we talked about, and something. I want to talk about here. So there's lots of different types of levels. So the first level is probably the most well-remembered because... Oh, I've added you know, some stuff here as well. Um, it's it's the iconic Alex Kid. You're dropping down through the level. There's green uh, sort of greenery all around you, different platforms. Um, and you eventually end up in the water. Um, so what was your... There's lots of variety on the levels, I think. But what happens is it does get repeated later on in the game. Um, what, what I find, the levels are boring as fuck. Like from a design point of view, it's the same shit over and over again. They, the main differences are so you've you've got three principal things to me. You've got the the platforming levels, which the thing that stands out is Alex Kid. The other games weren't doing is an emphasis on dropping vertically, mm-hmm. especially at the beginning. Like that's kind of weird. Like you're you're traveling by dropping down from platform to platform. That's a bit interesting. Then you have got water stages, which are just terrible in all games. Then you have these motorbike levels where you've got to avoid the red dots. That's very Alex kid memory of mine. Mm-hmm. But it's just none of them are good. I like the best see. ones, the the best ones, the most unique ones are probably mm-hmm. like the very first level where you, and where you do things like that, where you're dropping down from platform to platform, picking things up and doing that. That's the thing that I associate as probably the, you know, the best thing about this game. 
the w- underwater levels there's so many of them and you've got the bubbles that kill you and you've got the it's just well let's talk about um okay so later on in in the um I, I get what you're saying like the mechanic of going down instead of climbing up which is what most games would do is, is you know ascending a level it, it is a bit different um but later on in the game you get to a few castles where so you've, you've gone past you do and they're very mario castle-esque in their foreground but then the backgrounds are just bright blue yeah they're not exactly the prettiest there's like no and there's no like you know in Mar- even in like the first mario which all right, it only came out a year before this, but they they put some effort into the design of the backgrounds and stuff. Mm. There's just like no fucking effort in this game visually. No, and I think I mean it's a lot. It's fast and it's clean, but it, I mean it's really fast when you get on the motorbikes and stuff. Some of the sections are a little unfair as well. Like they're very unforgiving. Without save states, there's a lot of deaths that happen and restarts because you, you know the way he jumps isn't exactly. Uh, Good. Yeah, it's shit. The, pl- the the controls are crap. Yeah, it, you can't really uh, sort of predict where he's going to land half the time, um, or you time it wrong, and he, you know you miss a punch or you miss a jump, and and it's completely fucked, and you die from one hit. So, you know, there is that side of it which is a bit shit, and I came to realise that on my playthrough. And the last level, man, is fucking. Oh, it's a right pain in the ass because there's there's so many sections which you can just die instantly from. Not really any fault of your own, just from the mechanics of the game. Um, like there's awkwardly placed spikes or whatever. Um, it's it's not as good as I remember it. Okay, <laughs> just <laughs> compare it to what we were saying. Now I know it's many years later in terms of the history of gaming, but what we were saying when we played through Sonic the Hedgehog recently. Yeah, timeless. How fucking fantastic is that game to go back and play now? Mm-hmm. And I guarantee when we go and play Super Mario Brothers One, which it's highly likely going to be in the next season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's, we're going to have to it will open with it, tackle that game at some point. You're going to just be saying, "Why wow, this this plays as well as I remember. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, um, I thought... It just amazing. doesn't. It's just not very good. It's not Altered Beast. No, quite. No. Not many are. Um, but... In terms of gameplay, uh, Visuals Altered Beast is quite fantastic. But, but you know, it's... It just isn't very good in terms of the way it plays. It's inaccurate. It's sloppy. The the way the screens scroll when you move from one to the other and you haven't got any time to react to what appears below you as you're dropping through. Mm-hmm. The swimming levels, the 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 like you go to punch these blocks and you never know if you're close enough to do it or not. Yeah. Um yeah, it squares aren't great. The way you attack enemies is is kind of hit and miss. Yeah, it just it's just shit, Ad. Like, <laughs> okay, so it's, it's it doesn't not, have. It's not shit, but it's just not as good as I remember. Um, okay, so like before we get into development history, I want to hear your like, genuine, honest opinions of it. Now you've replayed it all. Yeah, unfortunately, taking your stupid pink glasses off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it's not. It's not the game that I remembered. Um, without the nostalgia value, it doesn't have a lot to offer. Um, like the levels. Are repetitive as fuck. Like once you've done about four levels, you've seen everything. That it's too gone. long. It's way too long. Seventeen levels. I was getting real bored by, you know, by the last sort of ten Five. levels or so. Um, and it's just the difficulty spike is actually way too hard for for a game like that. Um, it, it's really unrewarding because you'll die of something that just completely isn't your fault. Um, and you get like three lives, and they have to start the whole game again. 
one hit kills. It's just not, yeah, it's not well done at all. Um, it doesn't reward skill because you don't really need skill to play it. Um, but on the other hand, like whereas we talked about Metroid recently, we talked about Sonic, we talked about games, oh, they're so hugely important. This one is kind of hugely important in the identity of Sega and the history of that company, the proliferation of the Master System, the idea of a built-in game, which was, you know, most consoles didn't have that before, don't, haven't had that since. Yeah. Like, what, when else have we seen a built-in game? Yeah, and, and one that was... PlayStation you know, 5? Like, I think at the... Yeah, maybe. I think, well, with the thingy, the room. Um, but yeah, I think this... We'll go on to talk about the development here now. It's a good segue into it. And it's it's worth one thing I would say as well. If if you haven't played it and you have an interest in the history of video games, this is important enough for you to go back and play. Because you're going to see the leap from this to Sonic the Hedgehog five years later yeah. as their replacement mascot. In terms of the, the, the way that games have progressed in that fairly short period of time, okay. it's, it's absolutely worth giving it a go, but it's just not a good game. Of course, this wasn't the, the end of Alex Kidd. You know, this is th- there were many other games in the franchise, but um, how many were there? I thought there was three main games. So you had Alex Kidd and Shinobi. We got Shinobi, yeah, which is actually a lot better than this. Um, okay, we'll cover that one there, I'm sure. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed that one. Uh, you got the Enchanted, whatever. I didn't play that. There's High Tech World. There's the Lost Stars. I just seem to remember there was like three principal ones, but. Maybe not. I, like on the Master System, wasn't it? It was High Tech World, Shinobi World, but apparently there was the Lost Stars as well. I never, yeah. But my memory was Miracle World, Shinobi World, High Tech World. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah um, then there were some some Genesis uh, Mega Drive entries as well, or one at least. Yeah. But so the it wasn't exactly dead in the water. And this probably, you know, this, this we're looking back at it now, but at the time, it, you know, it was still at a decent level. It was a decent standard. Um, so the, the man who made Alex Kidd was a was a guy called Kataru Hayashida. Okay, uh, he's also known as Osale Kota. Uh, so, Any idea why? <clears throat> fuck knows. <laughs> Just, Just like he it. was like, oh, my name Kataru Hayashida sounds silly, so I'm going to call myself Asshole Kota. <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. Maybe it's just an asshole, and that's what people called him. An Osale Kota. Um, no, in a 2002 interview with Hayashada, he revealed that he joined Sega in 83 uh, and he saw an ad for a game designer in a paper and decided then I want to make video games. <laughs> it's like on account of needing a job yeah. and there being a job advert, so, he decided that was his life's calling. Yeah, and he applied for the job and got it the same day. Like, no experience whatsoever. Just says, oh, I would like to make video games. That'd be cool. Um, and as you noted here, this reminds me of when we spoke to Craig Stitt and he, he was saying how he got in um, Sega Technical Institute early doors and it was just like video game designer needed, no experience necessary. On the job training. It's mad, isn't it? Um, you obviously just wouldn't be able to get that these days. Um, so it's, you know, um, he also had an interview. So with- I wonder what Hayashida did or Hayashida did before. Was he an artist or, or whatever? Like, there's no real record of him before he joined Sega. No, that's the thing. <laughs> I didn't really say anywhere, but um, not that I found anyway. But he also had an interview lined up with Namco that day as well. So, you know, um, he, was, he was looking for that specific video game role. Um, so he goes on to say that he joined a p- team of about 10 people in Sega's development section. Um, and he was immediately set to task to make games for the SG-1000. 
the greatest looking video game console of all time, bar none. You yeah, you said that. That's my that's my holy grail is to own one of them and just put it on the wall. How much do they go for these days? Do you know, like, like a grand or something. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Let me have a look. Sega, I'm looking on EJ SG one thousand. It's a good console. Oh, the one thousand, like yeah. So there's a an SG one thousand with seven games here. Japanese mass system. Buy an A seven hundred and forty. Fucking hell. Okay. But then there's a boxed one for twelve thirty. Yeah. So, man, have you seen these? Yeah, yeah, they look great, man. Beautiful, beautiful bits of retro tech. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the best design consoles of that era, absolutely, or of any era. Well, I just think they've got, like, nothing shanks retro more than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're... Of course, the the original Master System that came over here was very, very similar. It was just black, not grey with blue. And and then the Master System 2 you had... Yeah, yeah. ...was weird and blobby and had that rollover kind of foreskin on the top of it. <laughs> That's not what I called it as a kid. Oh, it's the one with the foreskin, mum. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. It had that like slippy back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I quite liked that as a kid. I thought it was quite a cool feature, but you know. Um, so his first game, right? His how cool his feature. Was um, <laughs> his first game was called. Hulk. It was funny though, as kids. Not interrupting again, like anything like that that like moved on a bit of tech. I was like, oh yeah, that would have been. I yeah, I would have found that cool. Like, yeah, man, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I can't try to think like. So the Mega Drive Two is a fairly boring chunk of plastic. Yeah, it was, but that like st- it had like flaps that you pushed down, didn't it? Yeah, the Mega Drive is kind of designed to look like a like a, something powerful, though, wasn't it? Yeah, real techy blast processing. Yeah, um, um, and then you know, the Nintendo consoles, which were designed to look like toys. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Like you look at the Super Nintendo; it's a fucking toy. That's the whole point of it. And the the NES was designed not to look like a piece of high tech equipment. Mm-hmm. Like intentionally, because that's why the Atari had wood on it because it was supposed to like fit the living room. Yeah, yeah. And look like this high, like you know how stereos had wood. Yeah, yeah. So, it's like- so the Atari was going for the high tech look. So it's interesting when you look at the Master System. I know we're sidetracked, but we're not really because it's our first Master no, System game. That the development of the the SG one thousand, which very much looked like some kind of you know like VCR player era technology, or like your nan's coffee machine. <laughs> And then, yeah, over in the European release, they made it a bit more sleek and black and red. And then you had the the amorphous blobby shapes of the the, the second release, which is still hugely popular in Brazil for some yeah. reason. Well, I've still got mine as well. So, yeah, it still works, everything. So I would say hold on to it. It would be worth something, but it's really not. Nah, well, I just keep it for nostalgia. Um, so his first game at Sega um, was a game called Hustle Chew Me. Do you know that game, Tom? Because I've never heard of it. Never heard of it. Okay. We went on to work on around 10 games between 83 and 86, which would pave the way for, for his work on Alex Kidd. Um, so here's, here's something for you, a quote from Hayashida on how Alex Kidd was formed. So he says this, Well, it started about one year after Sega had split its development sections into two, arcade and console. Super Mario Bros. was also already a big hit by then, and the Famicom was building a rock-solid foundation as a game console. Sega just put out the new Sega Mark III, and they tasked us in the second development unit to create something that would sell as well as Mario. And so we set out to develop a new action game. So the game was originally going to be called Miracle Land. Um, It was going to be more of an action RPG game where Alex could use a Niobe... (laughs) Niobe? What the fuck? A club-like instrument. Um, And this was changed several times until they decided to settle on more of a platformer akin to Super Mario Brothers. 
Um, they tried it quite hard to make it different to Mario's. You, you can obviously see in the development, but actually ended up making it harder and worse. Um, so some interesting comments from Hayashida on the game's setting. Uh, so the story of Alex Kidd takes place in the midst of an interplanetary war, like Star Wars, if you wanted to compare it to a movie. The planet that Alex Kidd takes place that, that, You don't get that at all from Alex Kidd. No, you don't. You'd have to read that. Um, like, how does that look like... I don't remember a single enemy from it, apart from I mean, the frog in the wetsuit that's fucking horrifying. You have, like, scorpions and shit like that. There's nothing interplanetary about the enemies. No, it's... it's um, like, they wrote a fucking manual that, like, was full of buzz things of, like, oh, Star Wars stuff, because... And it just doesn't correlate to the game design at all. I mean, fuck knows what the story behind Mario is. Are you eating mushrooms and growing and shit? I don't know. But at least it has a consistency about it. Yeah. Just, nah. You know? Well, it takes place on a planet called Ares. um, And it's a peaceful place resembling Earth. Uh, My image for it was the huge city of Badakhshan in Afghanistan in the time of Marco Polo's journeys. I mean, it sounds like he's got these grand ideas, right? He's really like he wants this huge. It's like he's got too many ideas, like you just said, and it's a mess. Like, he, yeah, there was no fucking like producer or director for this game that had any way of putting a a, a box around these ideas and saying make something. You know, remember what you're doing here. Mm-hmm. This is think- not the Godfather trilogy. This is a fucking video game on an eight bit piece of hardware with limited time, limited budget. Yeah, I mean, do you think like? He's come into a video game industry, not really, well, as far as we know, having any prior experience. He just wanted to make video games. He's got this wild imagination by the sounds of it, but I just think that maybe they've run away from him um, <laughs> by the sounds of it, and he just doesn't have that ability. Like someone like Hideo Kojima, okay, who is able to have these wacky ideas, but actually form them into a game that actually works and is fun, even though the ideas are so fucking out there. Um this guy doesn't seem to be able to coordinate them quite as well. Um, so he, he said about the rock, paper, scissors mechanic, right? He said, he goes on to admit that it was a frustrating design choice. Um, so he said that that was one of all, that was one of also one of our concepts to differentiate our game from Mario. It's a very fanciful and absurd idea. There were various reactions like, what the hell? This isn't, isn't this supposed to be an action game or I lost the rock, paper, scissors match and it's game over. This sucks. Definitely for people who are good at action games to lose everything in game over because of a rock, paper, scissors match. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, it does fucking suck. The staff at Sega shared these concerns, but I wanted to know how players would react to it. So I left it in. <laughs> like a bastard. Um, so there you go. It's Even he thought it was a bit of a shit game. Like, I'm not criticising the guy who made the game when I say it's a shit game. It just oh. didn't come together. It just did not come together. It did not translate well into a video game. No. It's a bad game. Yeah, it's too many ideas. Um, I put some early concept art in the document, Tom, there you can see, and it's it's very similar to how the game turned out in terms of its map. But that map really isn't useful to anything because it's it doesn't give you any sort of... No, like you can even see as well, that just looks like a five-year-old drawing. Yeah, yeah. It's not like giving like, you And any... not from the quality of the drawing, but just it's like, oh, there's this and there's this. It's just these like... There's very little continuity or... Like, coherent design... In this game at all. Mm. It is a fucking mess. That's the best way to describe it. Like, it's an absolute, complete mess. And maybe the sequels were not such a mess because at least they had a foundation to go off. Yeah, I think so. Especially Shinobi. At least they had uh, more of a 
um, a theme to talk to to work around. Whereas this, I've never played any of the sequels, so I'm interested to see how Shinobi World ties into the Shinobi games. Uh, well, he's or essentially it... a version of Shinobi. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I, we'll get to it when we get to it. But I'm because I I hated Alex Kidd from fucking day one, so I'm coming at this from total like opposite direction of you and i never played any of the other alex kid games yeah yeah well i think shinobi would be a good one to look at um to see that progression so maybe maybe no you know in the future we'll pick that up but um so um hayashida goes on to talk about in that interview that from 2002 that you would have liked to have remade the game in 2002 on the ps2 but i mean you can go and read the article it's available online if you just google his name um but some of the ideas he throws in there just sound terrible. Um, and he wanted to make it like this big old action, you know, uh, 3D platformer. And it just sounded like it would have been an absolute, even more Fucking of a mess hell. than the original. So so he hadn't learned? Not, no, not by the sounds of it. He still seems to think that what he did was good. Um, and it's weird. Tom, Despite everyone telling him the, to the contrary. <laughs> Quite. Sega had concerns, but I, I told them to fuck off. But I thought, lol. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's really like where the game came from. So it came from the mind of an absolute madman. Um, no, I'm, I'm being harsh there. It's, it's not, you know, it's, it's just, no, it's just like this. I think this is clearly evident of the point that being a good designer and being a good video game designer is two very different things or, or being an auteur or someone who, who has a lot of ideas. Um, we did see a sort of similar thing with Altered Beast. Yeah, we Um, did. Yeah. I think that was more clearly designed to be a video game where this had a whole lot of concepts in it that just were never going to be good. But the problem is he didn't really have the templates. You know, you're 1986. This is early days for video game consoles. Mm -hmm. Like real, I'm not talking about Magnavox Odyssey. I'm talking about the NES, the the Master System. You know, there wasn't like a template to lift from. Yeah, quite. Um, And it just seems like he got lost uh, along the way. Too many ideas. Too many grand ideas, to be to be honest, um, and just not executed well. Um, so it just it goes bad person the to his core. <laughs> you know, the team around him obviously weren't that good either. But um, the release of the game, so it was it was only originally available in cartridges, um, but it was later built into many editions of both the the Master System One and Two, as we talked about. The power um, base. That's yeah, that was quite a novel concept, and I think that was really cool back in the day to have a game built into a system you buy straight from the off. If you turn the system on without a cartridge, that's your punishment for not buying a game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's this? Oh, no, okay. it was cool, and like later on, that was replaced by um, all consoles coming with a bundled in game. Yeah, 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 quite. But having something built in is weird. Like it makes sense. So the PlayStation Five has Astro's Playroom built in. Which is essentially a tech demo for, um, for the DualSense controller. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. This had a game built in just to give value to the games console, mm-hmm. but they had to put memory on the thing for that. And then we've we've seen all sorts of different things through time. The PlayStation came with Demo One. Oh yeah, yeah. And it doesn't matter which demo disc it was; they were all called Demo One, even mm-hmm. though they got, like, there was never a Demo Two. <laughs> <laughs> I had the one with the the T Rex. On it. Oh, fuck nice. I can't remember what I had. Yeah, so it's like things have been bundled in, but it's very rare that something was actually built into the console. Unless you go back to, like I said, things like the Magnavox Odyssey, which just had games built in. Yeah. yeah Didn't yeah. take a card. I think it was the Fairchild Channel F, 
was the first games console that took cartridges. Jesus, that's some knowledge there. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, no, I think that was. If you could just go, just Google was on here now. The Fairchild Channel F. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'll let you do that. So that was yeah. That's the first one that took cartridges in the way we know today. Yeah, wood style, wood styled, and black plastic. So there we go. That was um. This had that combination thing of a built-in game and the ability to take cartridges. Yeah, yeah. So, um, the only variations when they did uh, release this on cartridge, um, the only variations really from nineteen ninety onwards uh, of the releases was that they'd integrated the difference, uh, some differences into the US, Australian, and European versions. Um, wherein, as I talked about earlier, there's a change in the game map or the end of game screen where he's eating either onaguri in the Japanese version or um, a hamburger in the integrated versions. So. This min- I've definitely seen the hamburger version. That's what was on my my system was hamburger. So um, okay, the version I played had the um the little helmet. It looked like. <laughs> now this is what, something that I found quite annoying going back to play. So the, the original version used button two to hit and button one to jump, and they inverted them on the integrated version. But going back and playing it, we must have had the original because it's felt really awkward having them as one to. What kind of controller did you use? I used a, an NES style controller. NES with a two a two button. Oh no, snare. Sorry. Uh, a four button a four button controller. Yeah yeah? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, but you're using presumably the bottom two yeah, or the, right. the bottom one and the right hand one. It just felt awkward. That a, a and B, yeah. Yeah. Um, man, the NES controller is my favorite controller of all time. Just throwing that out there. It looks beautiful. That controller, yeah, man. So it's the best looking controller. And it's 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 got the best D pad everything, but the master system controller is fucking disgusting. Yeah, yeah, it's horrible. Like it's that horrible. square, that D pad that's not a proper D pad. It's just like a mushy square of misery. It doesn't really even look like a game controller, does it? It's just yeah. It looks- just how do they get it so fucking wrong when like- Nintendo got it so right? Yeah, looks like a shit. Do they never right? give one to someone and say, "Hey, how's this"? <laughs> maybe not doesn't sound like they uh... I mean it was it was um let me get myself straight on this but if I google master system controller I believe it was eight directional and that was what made it yeah yes that rings a bell that does yeah 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 so it had the eight directional pad so and that's why it was shit well, Man, well I'm looking at them now they're fucking disgusting their quality testing over at Sega at that era wasn't great, was it? You compare that to the NES controller, which is just a piece of cultural, icon, culturally iconic thing, and then the mushy Master System eight-directional piece of shit. Well, as we said, Sega didn't really get going until later on, did they? So this was sort of... I mean, the Master System's not a bad console. I've got to be straight up. There's a free... Like, that's not the problem here. But, but the controller is bad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... Uh, it's seen some later releases as well, uh, Alex Kidd. Um, so it was released alongside Super Hangar on the Revenge of Shinobi as part of Sega Vintage Collection. Um, and that came out on Xbox Live Arcade in and PlayStation Network in 2012. Um, so there have been later versions that people have been able to go back and play. Um, and there was various other versions that were released over the years on, on other systems like the Genesis Master System, Game Gear, etc., um, so it's, it's seen quite a lot of action, Alex Kid, considering going back... More action that, than your mum. <laughs> probably. Probably not. Dirty Brenda. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> well, I certainly don't. Jesus. Oh, man. So, um, 
some interesting development points are that Alex Kidd originally, in Miracle World, sorry, originally became uh, began development as a licensed tie-in game based on the Dragon Ball series, um, which of course has, has obviously seen its own uh, direct uh, games being made since then. Um, but actually Sega lost the Dragon Ball license during development and had to rework the whole game into an original property. So may, I guess you can kind of see some of the similarities there in the way it looks, um, but obviously they had to completely rework it. So maybe that accounts for some of the the bad. Yeah, I guess it's always difficult when a game has started out life as one IP, and then. But can you imagine this as a Dragon Ball game? It'd be fucking terrible. Yeah, awful. It would have killed off that IP immediately, or well, certainly. Well, I don't think it would kill Dragon Ball, but like it wouldn't be a good Dragon Ball game. No, no. Um. The remake that we talked about earlier is announced in June 2020, actually. So I don't even know if that's out yet. I have to check that. But um, it's scheduled for 2021. Oh, no. Maybe evidently it's not out. Um, it's going to feature new levels, alternate boss fights, and options for a modern or retro and it's, graphic. It's developed by Merge Games and Janken Team, who have really put themselves in a corner for only being able to develop this game ever and nothing else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tom, tell us about... New levels? Oh, fuck off. There's going to be more of them. Maybe they'll be better. It'll be interesting to see what they do with these remakes because the term remake now is so all-encompassing. Is it going to be, like I mentioned, Zelda Link's Awakening, which was like a scene-for-scene remake, but that game's almost perfect anyway. Or is it going to be a Crash Bandicoot Insane trilogy where they add a whole lot of stuff and make it play better? I don't know. We'll, From what we'll I saw, see. I think they were certainly rehashing some of the original levels. Um, well, the first level was what we saw, and that was the same. Mm-hmm. But that's iconic, isn't it? Like, as, as iconic as the, probably the most iconic thing on the Master System is Alex Kid Level 1. Yeah, I think so. Um, and then that other game where you were on the, uh, you had the light gun and you were on the little train, you had to put oh, things up. No, God, what was that? I had that. I've still got the light gun <laughs> as well. Um, Operation Wolf, Operation I think. Wolf. No, no, that's was it? no it wasn't Operation Wolf. It was like you were Operation Rescue Mission or something. Rescue Mission! Yes. Yeah, that's yeah, it. there you go. <laughs> oh, that, that was, was the a... other game that I remember. On the that was yeah, rescue solid. Mission. That was such a hard game. And you, you're on the little fucking car where your arms go up and down. You go around, <laughs> you got to shoot the, shoot the mines on the track and everything. Master first, System um, had some good shit, man. Like, first light gun game I've owned, that was. Just not much good shit. It had some good shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Dizzy. Tom, talk to us about the reception of Alex Kidd. Okay, so the game is actually critically acclaimed. Since it's released, 1987 French magazine Génération Feu or Génération Cap gave the game a 99% score. In 1991, Sega Pro magazine gave the game a 95% score, stating that with so much to do and so many different ways of doing it, this is one of those games you will keep coming back to even when you finished it completely. Computer Video Games Magazine in 1981 gave it an 86% score. So that's in fucking years after its release. Describing the game as Sega's answer to Mario. This must have been right before Sonic came out. And concluding that the absorbing gameplay will have you glued to your screen for hours on end. In a 2008 retro view, IGN gave Alex Kidd Miracle World a score of 9 out of 10 and Editor's Choice Award, calling it an exceptional platformer with loads of action and some great puzzle-solving challenges that still holds up remarkably well. IGN also gave the Wii Virtual Console release a score of 9 out of 10. Now, I just couldn't disagree more with that ad. I just don't understand how the guys at IGN got to that. Certainly the retro review. Like, if I was maybe reviewing this back in the day, um, 
I'd have thought more of it. But in, in absolutely going back now, it just does not. It's, it's exactly what you said earlier. Going back and playing Sonic feels exactly the same as it did back then, and as good as it was then. And you can still play through it and have a blast now. Whereas this, I was cursing it quite a lot, um, certainly on later on in the level. So yeah, mate, it's. I think a lot of rose tinted spectacles are being worn when looking back at this one. Um, and as I said, included by me before we started the review. So I think this was a great one to go back and look at because it's got a place in gaming's history. Um, it's where it all started for me. And, you know, without Alex Kidd, then who knows where Sega would have gone. Um, there would be no Adam Edwards. <laughs> there certainly would be me, but I might not be here talking to you now. Um, yeah, that's it really, Tom. I think that's all we can say about Alex Kidd. So... Yeah, weird game. I don't like it. You like it, but not as much as you once did. Indeed. Well, guys, thank you for listening. Uh, Thank you for tuning in to another episode of That 8-Bit Shit Show. Um, Tune in to a lot of other shows over at happyhourgaming.net. We've got a host of other uh, shows and content for you to get your teeth into. Um, And come and chat to us on Twitter at happygaminghour and come to us on Discord and get involved. And buy us a beer on Patreon and we can maybe get involved and you can suggest a game for us which would be good so and we like beer so buy us a beer right tom catch you next time buddy adios amigos